As we get into summer, it seems like the to-do list for next year just grows and grows. How would you like to cross off one huge item on your list? And it'll only take you about five minutes. If you're thinking about how to use all of those late start, early release, or staff PD days for next year, we've got the solution for you. You've heard us talk about peer-driven PD. They seek out some of the best teachers in the country, document their tips and techniques that work in real classrooms every day, and provide this content directly to schools. What you may not know is that their professional development is 100% turnkey, which means it takes zero effort on your part. Here's how it works. Go to www.peerdrivenpd.com and request a quote. Mike and his team will provide you with a custom proposal based on your school size, and that's it. Once you're confident that it's the right fit for your school, Mike and his team just need your staff email list and they take care of the rest. Your staff are invited to log in whenever you'd like them to. That means planning your PD just became as easy as sending a simple email. Check out peerdrivenpd.com. This pod is brought to you by Just Write Reader. Has your school or district moved to teaching the science of reading? Are you revisiting phonics skills with those beginning readers? Then you'll need decodable text. Just Write Reader offers decodable texts that are as unique as the students you serve. Their protected texts focus on singular phonics skills to give emerging readers the chance to practice inauthentic texts. They even have take-home kits for families that help parents assist their child in learning with QR codes. Just visit JustWriteReader.com and tell them the Modern Principal sent you. Welcome to the Modern Principal Podcast. We're your hosts, Christy and Karen. In this empowering podcast, we delve into essential aspects of becoming a successful school principal, including effective educational leadership, organizational structures, and most importantly, the empathy and authenticity to transform your school. And because Christy is obsessed with alliteration, we call these principles the scholar, systems, and soul approach. So if you're a passionate school principal or aspire to become one, join us on this jaunt where we journey off topic and right back on. On today's episode, we have Hallie Sherman. Hallie, MSCCC SLP, is a licensed speech language pathologist working full-time in a public school in New York. She currently works with 5th and 6th grade students, but has experience working with preschool through high school. She is also the CEO behind Speech Time Fun, Inc., where she helps SLPs working with older students plan with ease and confidence through her blog, Teachers Pay Teachers Store, SLP Coffee Talk Podcast, and her SLP Elevate Membership. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Christy. Hi, Karen. We're so excited. How are you today? Excited? I'm really excited. We have a guest today. We do. We are loving this pod where we bring our guests in. We're still workshopping the name of it where we have guests in, but we are not workshopping the people we bring in because they are amazing. No, they're amazing and they're experts at what they do. Today, who do we have, Christy? Today, we have Hallie Sherman from Speech Time Fun. So, Hallie, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Hallie, it is wonderful to have such a, like, people think that when we use the language SLP in education, like, everyone knows what it means. But in, like, outside world, I'll say, oh, yeah, just contact your school's SLP. People are like, what now? It is, yeah, like, when you talk to parents and stuff. um, Or, like, friends, and they share something with their kid, and you're like, oh, yeah, you should just ask to talk to the SLP. And they're like, what? But it's such a really important um, role in our schools, and it's one that I think that principals don't fully understand even the grasp of your kind of role that you can bring in the school. So that's why we're really excited to have you, because SLPs are usually one or two in a building, and but however, how many conjunctions can I use there? And but however, (laughs) 
the impact that you guys have is huge. So welcome yes. to our show. We are so happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. As many of my students refer to me as the speech teacher, just because it's easier that way. But then I always refer to parents, speech language pathologists. And then when my students come to me and say, well, I speak fine. Why am I coming to you? I say, well, I'm actually the speech and language teacher. <laughs> and, and then it makes a little bit more sense of what is my role when they speak fine. Yes, when they speak fine. And you are joining us from New York, is that correct? Yes, if you cannot tell by my thick Long Island accent, yes, I am from New York. Love it. And how long have you been doing SLP work in schools? And did you start in schools? So for about 16 years, I worked in a preschool, then I worked in a middle school and high school, then an elementary school, and then for 13 years, I worked with in an a intermediate school, a fifth and sixth grade building. Um, so for wow. I think all that math adds to 16 years. Awesome. So wow! So you've really worked pre-K through 12, and all of and, and as a school-based SLP, always is that right? Yes, correct. Yes, that's excellent. Yeah, I know that there's um from my my old SLPs that I've worked with, they tell me that there is a pretty big difference between the school base and maybe what you would find like in a hospital or something like that. So um, I think that's really great that we have someone who's truly an expert in schools. Awesome. (laughs) Well, we always love to start our pods with like a funny story or something kind of a sweet recent thing that's happened to us. Well, we call it witty banter. It's not usually witty. (laughs) It's more just a random story of our lives. Do you have any... Um, stories that come to mind um, about the work you do or anything recent that's popped in your head? Sure. The last week of school, um, I was like, speech is closed. Like, this is done. You know, everyone, there's field day, there's assemblies. Like, the teachers knew, like, why are you sending your kids to me? Like, if they haven't mastered their goal, like, it's the last week of school. And all (laughs) of a sudden, I get a knock on the door, and it's one of my students, and it's not even on the day that he's supposed to come. And, like, the teacher clearly wrote him a pass. And he just sat down, and he just wanted to hang out. And I'm like, why are you here? (laughs) and he's like I came to hang I'm like okay what do you want to talk about he's like you know just just want to just want to hang like okay and it just made me realize that like clearly I made an impact on this child and on my case where they just want to come visit me because they are mad that I am not pulling them anymore and they're sad to leave so let's remind everybody you said you work in a fifth and sixth grade center right so this is a middle school boy so that is yes and this is and this and this is a sixth this was a sixth grade student that was like that was sad to say goodbye and I'm like (laughs) I was like okay just come just come hang sure love it I'm like you know speech is closed I'm not I'm not teaching you anything you know that right I'm not collecting data today sir no No. but you are building relationships up until the very last second of school (laughs) exactly exactly Hallie, what I would love for you to share with our listeners who are mostly, you know, principals or aspiring principals, um, I'd love to know a little bit more about your the knowledge and skills and expertise of an SLP that principals might not know about. We kind of shared earlier, I really do think that a lot of principals probably underuse, underutilize their SLP, particularly with building level leadership and that sort of thing. So I'd just love to, for you to share a little bit more about what is that knowledge and skill that you bring to um, not only your your speech and your language kids, but also maybe more of like a building and global level? Sure. So when principals or teachers think of a speech pathologist, they think, okay, articulation, they can't say the R sound. Maybe they have a lisp. Maybe they have a stutter. And yes, that is true. However, actually in the schools, it's actually really hard to qualify yeah. on those things alone because it's hard to 
prove academic impact, which is required to get speech in the schools. So what really is mainly our scope in the school setting is vocabulary, sentence structure, answering questions, listening comprehension, memory, like all these phonological awareness, all these other aspects which are really necessary in order to be a successful reader, student, learner. And it's actually, there's actually tons of evidence that shows that students as early in kindergarten, if they are showing weaknesses in any of these skills, can later on be weaker readers. So having the speech pathologist be a part of the team, whether you're like meeting as a group as like an RTI, MTSS, whatever mm-hmm. thing you use, whatever terminology, having us be a part of the team, we can truly help indicate and and figure out which students can really benefit um, from speech and language services where where if we weren't a part of the team someone would say well they speak fine so why incorporate the SLP absolutely yes and going with that like we have a big push in Missouri um, with the science of reading our pendulum swings often and so as you know in education and now we are the state is supporting um, a lot of the research behind how kids learn to read and the funding around that However, I bet you guys knew that all along, huh? <laughs> and should have been brought into some mm-hmm. of those convos. Right. So thinking about how how would you love to be used as like um, not just interventions, but also thinking through like tier one instruction and looking at scope and sequence. Have you ever been a part of those conversations or those professional development? And talk a little about that. Yes. Not as, as often as I would like. And I will be honest, I have not been utilized as much as I would like to be. But when I am a part of those teams I'm always saying and whether or not not it's necessarily my case or not hey have we looked into the vocabulary have we looked into previous history of x y and z and having us on those teams and also providing those strategies like okay if they're not if they're still struggling reading and they're not picking up the like phonics and they don't have the background knowledge of the vocabulary for that it to stick to memory in order them to get to you know get to decode those words so Having us a part of the team not only can help figure out which students are at risk, but also help provide some strategies. And I know many SLPs, if we had the availability on our caseloads, we would love to push into kindergarten classrooms and early grades to help out and help the teachers out with small group instruction. Let's take a group. And that's something we would love to be able to do with um, the, the ability to do so. I love that you mentioned all of that because I found, um, and this wasn't an absolute, this is just anecdotal, but as an elementary principal and, you know, I attended every IEP, like I was the LEA for every single IEP. Um, and so, but what I noticed was that my speech and language kids graduated out, um, and, you know, moved past the IEP process more than students who were maybe receiving different types of services. And so I really feel like speech and language um, pathologists have like the science of learning down um, in terms of like it's very a scope and sequence of here's the skills that we're going to work on. I know exactly how to attack those skills with students um, to the point that they can progress really, really quickly because of how precise SLPs are with their instruction. Mm-hmm. I was going to say the benefit for us as SLPs, we don't have a curriculum. So we're not being forced to like go to the next topic or the next – 
whatever. And we also don't have a class of 30 students. We have maybe one to five. So we can really individualize our lessons and tailor to what they need. And I always say like many SLPs, like we don't want to be like a life, a life sentence for our students. Right. We want to give them exactly what they need and send them on their way. Because if we keep them too long, that's when we have the behavior issues in our room as well. <laughs> And that's what I wanted to ask you about next uh-huh. was behavior. <laughs> I found, and I think we both worked with our SLPs um, pretty closely with behavior. And I would love to know just like your thoughts on the links between the expertise that you have and language and how that impacts and um, behavior and how an SLP could potentially support a behavior team or a PBIS team at a school. Behavior is usually communication. The student is right. saying something underline there's something between the lines whether it is this is too hard for me get me out of here I don't want to be embarrassed by my peers or I'm frustrated or like or I am bored this is not working it's usually and they all if they're struggling with language and communication they don't know why they're frustrated they just know they're frustrated so they're taking it out and a lot of times it is going to the bathroom often, frequent flyers to the nurse's office. How many times have students have acted out and got reprimanded and taken out of class? Well, guess what? They got out of doing the work. Yep. They, they, <laughs> they didn't have to do it. Yep. They didn't have to do it. So guess what? What, what did we teach them? Hey, if you act you out, that. you don't have to do something that is hard for you. Yeah, I, per- I partnered with my SLPs often with behavior, especially students, um, who were on the autism spectrum because that was very helpful with some of the language strategies um, and communication techniques that our SLP could bring to the team in a way that, I mean, that I think is the main job of any building principal who's going to be exceptional is finding good people in good roles and then understanding the skills they bring. And I think that a lot of what Christy was saying was accurate, that principals just don't understand the amount of work that goes into you guys becoming an SLP and the amount of knowledge that you bring. I think a lot of teachers even think SLPs go to a similar school than what they go through to become a teacher. And it is vastly different. different. Um, And just you guys are clinicians Mm -hmm. and have to get certain levels of certification. And it's just really important for people to recognize that strength and that asset in their building. Yes, I, I I say I can't teach reading. I can't t- teach math. Give me, you know, I, that is not my expertise. I give everyone a lot of credit for doing that. My daughter is going into fourth grade, third grade math. That one threw me for a loop. Like I did, I struggled helping her with her math work. Um, but give me a behavior student. Give me a student really struggling with reading. I can look at it in a clinical lens and give a different perspective that maybe a teacher might not have seen. I love that. Looking at it at a clinical lens and yep. giving a different perspective, even if it's um, just another piece to that puzzle, bringing your SLP into those teams, um, we think is really vital. Yeah. And I think some of it goes to the precision you guys are allowed to drill. You guys are trained to drill down to, like kind of what Christy was mentioning. Teachers sometimes just look at the whole boat and are like, ah, it's sinking. And you guys can <laughs> drill quick and say, there's the whole Let's start there. And I think that that would be really helpful for a lot of people creating plans for kiddos. Kiddos. Definitely. Kiddos. 
Yeah. <laughs> so talk to us about the relationships you've had with principals. You don't have to name names, of course, but telling us about what, when you had a really strong working relationship that was effective with your administrator, what were some of the systems or things that you put into place to kind of help strengthen that relationship um, and that give and take kind of thing? Definitely at the stronger relationships. I had, I've had many administrators <laughs> over my years, um, but the ones that really cared to listen to what I was doing and then even even like when they came to observe me like asking questions like instead of just writing it up and walking away like saying why did you do it that way and just asking those deeper questions versus assuming anything has definitely helped having a stronger relationship um, with them and the ones coming to me and, and just having just that open dialogue versus like leaving me alone in my closet to just do whatever I think that I think that there are some principals who approach um, the job as hands-off leadership. Um, I disagree with that. I think it's a cop-out. Yes. <laughs> um, but I think that you're right. Like, I don't think most teachers or SLPs want to just be left alone. I no. think most want to be engaged. Um, I know that when I be- first became a principal and I had never evaluated an SLP before, trying to have those conversations of, hey, what – what does critical thinking, if that's the standard that I have to look for as an admin, what does critical thinking look like in a speech language lesson? Or what does formative assessment look like for you? Um, And trying to have those conversations before your first evaluation. (laughs) Right. And one of the things I found the most helpful when I was evaluating um, our SLP was doing very similar to what you said, asking questions like Christy said, but reading the walls. Like I would say, what is this chart? How do you use this? Or why do you have tongue depressors? Or <laughs> what's this? And you know, what's this scope and sequence up here? What is this? And how do you use it with kids? And then, or show me your data. How do you track goals? Walk me through that. How do you do that? Um, and just coming from that lens taught me how much. I mean, just it gave me an in of where I could support. Um, I've never needed to coach an SLP. They've always been oh, I know. highly Same. trained, well-oiled machines that really could just be left alone. But, but I would not leave them alone. I would not leave them alone. <laughs> but it was fun for me to like Even see- just popping in. Yeah. And learning. Sorry, I was you- even just even popping in. Yeah. And saying like, where do you want to, what do you want to work on this year? And like, let's help you find it. And you know what the number one thing I always heard was? What they wanted to work on? Connecting with other SLPs. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are alone. We are alone. I, I was the only SLP in my school. And even though there was other SLPs in my district, I was the only one working with that age group. Yeah. So I was the only one facing certain challenges. Like, yes, I had a support system to ask questions, but no one else can really understand what I was specifically going through. Right. Have, so have just you ever... definitely g- giving them that, that opportunity. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, have you ever had a building leader um, or maybe district leader, depending on the size, who was able to do something systemically or, a, you know, structurally that provided you more time to um, collaborate with other SLPs? Honestly, my district, there's only nine of us. Mm-hmm. So there we don't have a leader. We kind of Someone kind of stepped up as the leader. You know, she's the most senior in the department, but nothing. We've I've had numerous directors. Oh, that's also the issue is a lot of us, not only are we working under a principal, yeah. we're also working under maybe a special ed director in a department. Yeah. So we're kind of in both departments. You are. So that's where usually we get more of the collaboration and the professional development, and that's usually who hires us as well. Um, 
So that is that when the years that we have had department meetings and things of that nature were the most beneficial to Got us. It. So maybe within the scope of a principal's role, um, they might not have the ability or the the power to necessarily bring SLPs together, but certainly the, the advocacy that SLPs do have meaningful work to collaborate on um, and advocating for that at the district level if they have if they have that authority to do so. What guidance would you give a principal who is wanting to develop a strong relationship with an SLP? Uh, Maybe they're a new principal or they're getting a new SLP. Um, Obviously, probably most tenets of a relationship are pretty similar, but do you have any specifics that could be um, used for a principal and SLP? Don't forget about us. Often in the beginning of school year, principals are very busy with curriculum and trainings and getting this classrooms all set up and ready and then the SLPs are kind of just there um so make taking the time to you know set up a time to meet with us say hey what do you need are you do you have have enough room in your schedule to fit all these Mm -hmm. students do you need any materials that would help you with your students is there any supports is what can I do to help you be the most get the most efficient job with your students because obviously we're here to support our students and help them succeed. And we can only do that with the support of our administration. That's a really, that's really good advice. You also, we spoke a lot about finding community and you have some helpful ways to do that as well. You are, you have an upcoming virtual conference. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. So I host a virtual conference for school-based SLPs three times a year, July, November, and March. Awesome. Um, this July is our biggest one yet. It's our, it's, it's our 10th anniversary, our 10th virtual event. Oh my so gosh. We're, instead of our normal six, a- normally we do six hours of professional development. This July, it's ten, over 10 hours. Oh, that's amazing. Six hours live. And then we're going to have breakout room, yeah, breakout rooms, and they can um, get all the recordings of the rooms that they don't go to so that everyone can get over 10 hours of professional development. Um, by SLPs in the trenches, just like them. They get access to all the recordings that don't go away. They get materials that they can use the very next day. So, and wow. they can be surrounded by other like-minded SLPs and have and have fun at the same time. That's we amazing. have photo booths and prizes and fun. Okay, yeah. so how do they find out about this virtual conference? How would people go? Uh, they can sign up at speechretreat.com. And on, that, on the site as well is a button for purchase orders. We accept purchase orders from districts. So admin listening, if you want to... Send your SLP. Uh, treat your SLP, you know. Yes. <laughs> Just, you know, so there, the, right there, go to speechretreat.com, hit purchase order, and my husband will be the one responding to your emails. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Keep those men working. <laughs> love it. Um, exactly. Okay. I love it. So I had another question for you. So I've switched roles now. I'm in HR. And recruiting SLPs to come work in schools has become more and more of a challenge. Um, what are you noticing – about that trend, why do you think that is, and what are some things that that districts or other SLPs can really do to highlight the cool work of being an SLP in a school setting as opposed to other settings you could choose from? The irony is in New York, it's actually quite, it's actually a little bit different. It's actually, there's actually too many SLPs in school-based positions. Move to Missouri. (laughs) Yes, we're a unique, we're we're in a unique space, uh, spot. However, that said, um, just from listening to my audience and listening to SLPs all across the country, I've been hearing that due to um, salaries, um, contracts, 
things of that high caseloads hearing that SLPs are having a caseload of 100 plus students is obscene. Like you cannot do the job with that, you know, limitation. So just looking at one, the position and is it, is that a position for two people, one person just and what have you. But um, I've been seeing a lot of people going the contract route mm-hmm. because they're getting the higher salaries, they're getting smaller caseloads. So admin listening, if there's any way you can help advocate for some of these conditions would definitely help um, entice SLBs. I know I always wanted to work in the schools because I wanted to be a part of a team. I didn't want yeah. to be an island by myself. And, and in order, I know that speech and language is just one piece of the puzzle and I can only do my part if I'm working with others working alongside me and working as a contractor coming in and then leaving is not sufficient enough for my students I need to be able to speak to the teacher speak to the OT speak to the school psychologist Mm -hmm. and be really truly a part of that team so recognizing that that is so essential and promoting that piece but also looking at what can like, like I said here, SLPs often are finding themselves alone, sitting through professional development that is not relevant to them. I don't really, I mean, yes, do I need to know about what math standards are going on? Sure, I could read that in an email. Like, uh, yeah, so what giving professional development that is true to them and different um, features of the job description can really entice someone to come work inside the school system versus just getting a contract with an agency and getting hired to just come on in for a few sessions. That's such a good point. And that's something that admin actually do have control over. Admin do control the teamwork, right? And how they, and the structures they put in place to make sure that SLPs feel like a part of the team. They have control a lot of times over building level professional development and how to differentiate that for, for SLPs and all of the other staff members. So I'm glad that, that you mentioned that and that there are actual things that principals can do to truly not even just recruit, but retain, retain. the good SLPs mm-hmm. that they have. <laughs> yeah, and if you have a room with, a, and if you have a room with a window, that's like <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, you guys real. are stuck. You're landlocked most of the time, aren't you? <laughs> just saying, just saying, the room can kind of help the situation. That's so funny that it's like the same everywhere. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. That's awesome. I call it the speech the speech closet. I'm always in the speech yes. closet. Yes. Oh, you're so right. <laughs> Do better, principals. <laughs> well, Hallie, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate um, just having you and, and your expertise and sharing um, how principals can lead SLPs even better. So thank you so much. We always have at the very end a little tidbit. And so we want you to do our from the desk of the modern principal. So as a modern SLP, what's a tidbit that you have to share with our listeners? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Uh, My tidbit. I wrote it down so I didn't forget. Yes. Reminder to SLPs, teachers, and administration everywhere. You have the power to brighten a student's day and notice them in a world where they are often lost in the shuffle. Take the time to listen and show them that you care. A little bit of rapport and trust goes a long way. That's amazing. That is the perfect way to end our pod. So thank you so much, Hallie. If you want to learn so more, welcome. if you want to learn more, make sure you visit speechtimefun.com and speechretreat.com to get all of your PD needs. She will take care of you over there. We'll have a lot more links in our show notes. Thanks for joining us.